to the podcast. I'm your host, Brandon Jackson, and I have a good buddy of mine, Matt Sapicki. Matt, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Yeah? Doing yeah. very good. Awesome. Uh, so, so here's the deal. Uh, I got my friend on here, and we're going to talk about some things that he's just got an interesting story. Uh, Matt was, uh, shoot, Matt, we met back in college. We were actually college teammates, and uh, we played baseball together. And so what year was that? 1996. 96 is when we met. Long time and, ago. Yeah. <laughs> Are we dating? Or we clearly have dated ourselves right now. Yes. Very, very <laughs> Now, old. I see a little gray in your hair. Do you see it in mine? You hide it well. I cut mine off. <laughs> Anyhow, Matt, tell me, uh, tell, listen, this is really just a... Uh, a conversation that we're going to have. By the way, that, it's more in the wrinkles in your face that I can tell. You, right. He's telling me I have wrinkles in my face, which is true. Which is true. I think it might be a lot of coffee. A lot of coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's, suck up, it's sucking up all the water in my face. Anyway, um, tell me a little bit about um, your, 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 your career. Because what, what people probably may or may not know, um, a lot of people in town know who you are, um, especially if they're in the baseball world. But uh, just so everybody knows, Matt played in the big leagues uh, with the Expos and the Marlins and uh, had a nine-year uh, professional career. But let's go back to – let's just go back to college because you had a monster career in college, three years. And uh, just to, like, like, to take us through, through your college career a little bit. Well, I started at – it's now Missouri State. Back when we went there, it was Southwest Missouri State. And I started, we started there in 96. Um, first season there in 97 as a freshman. Did pretty well. Um, I think I got a, a couple accolades. Um, freshman of the year and um, made, you know, a couple all-tournament teams. Uh, went on to play in the Northwoods League for a summer league. In that Waterloo, in Iowa. Waterloo, right? Iowa. Yeah. Yeah. Really enjoyed myself up there. Um, got to stay with an incredible host family that I still stay in touch with. Um, and uh, did well up there. Um, you know, it was a great learning experience. It was with a, you know, it was wooden bat league. Um you know, and then came back to Southwest Missouri State uh, for my sophomore season and felt good about that. Um, you know, I kept on progressing as a player um, and uh, did well my sophomore season. Um, you know, I don't know the exact numbers, um, but I did well enough to get invited to the Cape Cod League. Which is a prestigious... Um, summer league for college baseball players. Yes, right? it's another wooden bat league. Um, you know, I think the teams, the college teams that are involved, um, if they have players that are decent enough to go to that to, to the Cape Cod League, um, I think they're allowed to send you know two to three players, um, depending on how you know what the teams need and. Um, the availability, you know, uh, of the players. Um, 
but I got to go up there and, you know, kind of made a name for myself that summer. Um, you know, our team ended up, which is the Chatham A's, uh, ended up winning the whole thing. And, um, you know, got the, you know, uh, MVP of the league and got MVP of the team as far as the championship, you know, uh, the tournament and the championship at the end of the season went and uh, won the home run derby. Swung out of my shoes during that and got lucky enough to win that. But uh, that kind of put my name on the board as far as, you know, professional baseball teams went and um, came back my junior year for my junior year at Southwest and had the best, couldn't ask for anything more um, out of myself. Did really well. Now, I, re- I remember that. I was, lo- <laughs> I was long gone by then. But your, your junior year, um, that, let's back up to the Cape Cod. Wasn't there a movie with, uh, oh, good grief, what was his name? Freddie? Uh, Freddie Prince Jr.? Fr- yes. Yeah. That, that was a, uh, was that, was that movie based on the Chatham A's at all? That was based on our team. Your, the team, that, 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 that town. Yeah. yeah. Um, ironic enough, the host mom that was in that movie um, what was the name of the movie? We probably should get Summer that. Summer Catch. I Summer believe. Catch. No, you're right. Yeah. And the lady that was her character in the movie, she was a host mom, and she was my host mom when I was up there. That character was based on my host mom. <laughs> so I don't and know what that tells. <laughs> when you see the movie, you'll understand. It's, it's, it's pretty, uh, um, let's just put it this way. I did not indulge. But... Um, you know, it was a great experience. I loved, you know, um, my girlfriend at the time, who is now my wife, uh, went up there with me. And uh, it was it was like a summer vacation for us. Right. You know, it was beautiful up there at that time of year. You know, I understand now why people go up and visit. Sure. Now, now I, I, know, I know a lot of your stories, and we don't have time. I mean, we could sit around and talk for three and four hours about all your stories. But... Um, Let's, let's keep moving on to your junior year because this is the monster year. This is the one that, if anybody was keeping up with you, this is the one that was noticeable, right? So your junior yes. year, I mean, your, your player of the year in the, in the Missouri Valley Conference, triple crown winner, uh, setting records all over the place, uh, just probably having a lot of fun every time you went to the ballpark. It was. It was a lot of fun. Um, you know, just... You know the the pressures and 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 the pressures you feel, especially as a college kid. Um, you know, and to, and to do well under those pressures, you know, made me feel really good about myself. Um, you know, I knew that was my ultimate goal was to play professional baseball. And the year I had, I knew there was a very good chance that I was on my way. And that being, uh, when that year was over, you were drafted fourth round? Fourth, fourth round. Fourth yes. round. I think third overall pick in the fourth round. Third overall pick. All right. Yeah. So uh, pretty good. Pretty yeah. good. Now, I mean, just being drafted alone is a, a, you know, a big win for a lot of uh, college baseball players. But to get drafted in the, you know, the fourth round, um, 
that just doesn't happen a lot to a lot of people. No, so, it doesn't. And when you do, you know, well, you expect, you know, you start listening to what people are telling you and you start believing it. And, you know, people were telling me definite first round and I'm not going to lie. When the fourth round came around, I was kind of disappointed. Um, you know, I felt like, and as many players do, they felt like they performed better than what you know, other people thought, but, you know, it, it turned out to be, you know, what God had in plan for me. Yeah. So, which is interesting. So, um, there was some disappointment there and people were like, are you kidding me? You were fourth round draft pick. Like, that's awesome. But, uh, so the, the name of the podcast, I mean, this is our, our, our fourth episode and it's, and it's called mind fit. So there's this mindset. And, and so when I have people on, uh, I want to know what people are thinking like you, and, and, and my guests that are on, I want to know what they're thinking. So at that point in time, what was your mindset? Well, it came draft day and, um, you know, I was with all my family and a lot of friends and, um, you know, my, uh, my wife now was there and I'll never forget the, you know, the words that I'll never forget her saying were, I know you're going to get drafted today. I just, you know, I hope it's not from, you know, from a team from Canada. <laughs> and, you know, go figure. I get a phone call and it's from Joe Jordan from the Montreal Expos, who was a scout that said you've been selected in the fourth round by the Montreal Expos. And the look on my wife's face was, you know, excitement and a little bit of disappointment at the same time because she knew we were going to be a long way from home. <laughs> that it was. Yes. Uh, so, so obviously, so now your college career is over and now you're propelled into the professional ranks, right? So, so you start off in, uh, I believe it was Vermont. It was the New York Penn League, right? Mm -hmm. And so just kind of take us through just, you know, through the, uh, through, through your minor league years, which was not long. Well, how many years was it? Well, I was drafted in 99, and I got called up in 2002 okay, so to the not, big leagues. Not long. So by your fourth year, you're, you're like, you're walking in a big league locker room. Yeah. Yep. You know? Um, now, I had the, the, the privilege to play against you. Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think just... I think it was the was it the year that you did get called up? We were both playing in the Eastern League. Now, just in case anybody, most I don't tell people that I play professional baseball, and just just so people know, I wasn't any good. <laughs> was it's not about good. me. This is about Matt Supicki, my guest. Yeah, uh, but but, but anyhow, so tell me uh, tell me a little bit like through your first three years of uh, professional baseball. What was the mindset there? What, what, what were you thinking through, through those first three years? Well, you know, you have to be patient, and that is not one of my virtues. Um, you know, you want to get to the big leagues as quick as possible. I don't think anybody plays professional baseball and says, you know, my dream is to stay in the minor leagues forever. Um, you know, Boy, I hope not. Yeah. <laughs> but you have to be in the right place at the right time, you know, a lot of times. And, you know, the first year went by, and I was in Vermont, and it went well. I did, you know, 
I think I uh, ended up hitting 330 maybe, um, you know, and, and put up good enough numbers to skip past the league and go straight to the Florida State League the following year. And, um, you know, again, did well in the Florida State League. Um, you know, and there's little things that I'm, you know, flying past. You know, I got invited to the Arizona Fall League and, it, you know, um, instructional league and stuff like that. And got to double A, uh, I believe my third year, which was in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and spent a full season in double A. Um, put up good numbers and got my first big league spring training invite <clears throat> and um, did well in camp. I had a really good camp and then so, I got called in the office and they said, well, you're going back to Harrisburg. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a downer, right? It is. It's, it's, it's a, a disappointment because you think, you know, if you do well, you should go up a league at least. You right, know? right. And I thought I was going to be in AAA and I'm back in AA. Right, right. Well, not a lot of people know what it's like to be in a uh, to get invited to a big league spring training. A spring training, right? Um, just paint a picture for us what that what that's like, what that feels like. You know, uh, you know, we live in St. Louis. This is a big baseball town. People mm-hmm. love baseball, so they just can they get a glimpse of what it looks like um, for a young kid to go into spring training at the big league level. Because I mean, there's spring training. We got the minor league camp. We got the big league camp. Mm-hmm. What is it? What is it like? The first time I walked into a big league clubhouse, you know, I'm I'm sitting along alongside other players, you know, that I watch on TV. We you know that we watch on TV and and playing against, you know, that first year in big league camp, we were in Jupiter and we shared a complex with the Cardinals, so. Here I am, you know, playing against, you know, superstars that we watch on television during the summer. And, you know, Albert Pujols and Jim Edmonds and Wainwright and all these guys. And I'm thinking, wow, you know. I'm here. I better do good. (laughs) (laughs) I better do good. Yeah. Right. So, 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 okay, so you go back to Harrisburg. Uh... You play well enough to get called up that year. Yeah, and during that spring training, um, before I got called up, when they sent me back to Harrisburg, you know, Frank Robinson was my manager, and he called me in to his office and said, you know, um, I know you're going to be disappointed, but you're going back to Harrisburg, and, you know, my heart sunk. And, um, you know, he did tell me, he goes, you know, I love you as a player. You know, you work hard. You bust your butt every day, and you deserve a promotion. And he goes, "Don't think of this, you know, you know, as a setback by going back to Harrisburg." And it's tough not to. And and this, I hate to call it a business, but when you play professional baseball, it is a business. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, you get told a lot of things, and you got to be careful of what you take to heart. But for some reason, I just, I believe Frank. And when he told me that he won't hesitate to call me up to the big leagues from double A, um, I believed him. And it made the transition a lot easier. 
and I think yeah, I could have gone. I could have gone to Harrisburg, you know, um, feeling a different way, you know, being negative about it, and you know, being ticked off and and letting that get to me and not playing well. But you know, I really believe Frank, and I went up there and I performed. And uh, July 31st was the trade deadline, and um, you know, my roommate and I were in the hotel that evening and we saw on ESPN that Cliff Floyd had been traded to Boston Red Sox from uh, Montreal and my roommate Scott <clears throat> said you know you'll probably get called up to AAA you know and uh, that was my first thought I was hoping that you know I'd be the guy to get promoted to AAA and we go in we have a day game um, and I forgot where we were uh, it was the Detroit Tigers affiliate. Um, <clears throat> do you remember what what double A in Detroit? Was Erie. That Erie. Erie. We were Erie. In Erie, Pennsylvania. Erie. And um, the name says it all, Erie. Isn't it? Yeah. And um, we had a day game that following day and we were the one of the you know, first guys to the clubhouse and our pitching coach at the time was Tommy John. The surgery, uh, yeah, that everybody gets. Yep, and that was our pitching coach, and he uh, he comes out and he goes, "So, picky, get your A double S in here." And um, you know, I thought I was in trouble. You know, I was like, "Oh, what did I do now?" And I go into the coach's office, and Dave Huppert and Tommy John and uh, a couple other coaches were in there, and they said, "Don't get dressed." And I said, "Okay." Um, I don't know what I did wrong, but I can explain it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they said, you're going to go up and face Randy Johnson tonight because the Expos are playing Arizona Diamondbacks. And, you know, I uh, about crapped my pants. I couldn't believe it. You know, I was so many emotions went through, went through my mind and, and my body. It's just, you know, you work so hard and, and you dedicate so much time. Um, and there's so many players that do that, that a lot of them don't get the opportunity that I'm being, I've been given at this time. And, you know, I was so grateful, you know, I just didn't know what to do. You know, tears started boiling up in my eyes and, um, you know, I just, I knew all the hard work that I've done up to this point was finally paying off. Yeah. What a moment, like, holy cow, like you'll never forget that moment as long as you live. No. No. I mean, sitting in that office with that group of guys waiting to tell you, because they were just as excited as you were excited, right? Oh, yeah. So they just couldn't wait to tell you. Yeah, and it happens in AAA quite a bit. You know, um, guys, you know, bounce back and forth from the big leagues to AAA. Um, But at that time, you know, there was only other, there was only one other player that had ever been called up from AA in the Montreal organization, and that was... Vladimir Guerrero. So for that to happen, you know, everybody was super excited. Of course I was, but everybody along with me, um, it's just something that doesn't happen every day. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, I didn't know who to call. I knew exactly who to call first, and that was my mom. You know, I just, uh, my dad passed away when I was very young, you know, I think five years old, and he was a huge baseball fan. Uh, One of his dreams was for one of his sons to, you know, there were four boys, and one, I was the youngest, and 
one of his dreams was for one of his sons to make it to the big leagues and to be able to fulfill that dream, even though he wasn't here, I knew he was with me that day. And to be able to do that and be able to call my mom and and just to not be able to see her reaction, but just to be able to hear a pin drop yeah, for right. that few seconds when I told her was something I'll Priceless. never forget. Priceless. Yeah. Well, I don't want to rush your career uh, because you, you ended up playing, uh, you know, uh, you moved on with uh, the Marlins organization. Well, I, I was with Montreal, and then, um, don't quote me on this, but I believe it was 2004 we moved from Montreal to Washington. So I was now a Washington National. And then in 2005 and 2000, between 2005 and 2006, I was traded over to Marlins, which is now the Miami Marlins. Right. Um, and I went to Albuquerque, New Mexico, for their AAA team that was in the Pacific Coast League, the PCL, and got called up to the big leagues uh, with them for a short stint. And then after that season, was traded over to Baltimore. And that's when... Um, you know, my injuries started piling up, really started to pile up that season. That How old were you then? Albuquerque. Roughly. Uh, not good at math, but 2005. Mm, 20. 27. Yeah. 27-ish. Which is, which is 20, so, so, so let's just say 27. That's supposed to be people's prime in baseball, right? Mm-hmm. And here you are, like, piling up injuries. Yeah, my knees were, you know, quickly deteriorating. Right. Um, I was playing with bone-on-bone bone in both knees. Um, you know, I didn't want to, want to admit to myself, um, you know, I'd try to mask the pain, and it, it just got unbearable. But I continued to try to play through it, and, you know, the following year which was 2007, I went over to Baltimore and um, went back to the same league that, you know, I got called up from, and that was Double A, the PCL. Mm -hmm. And I played in Bowie, um, Bowie, Maryland. Um, and that season was, uh, you know, dreadful. You know, I mean, the pain was just getting to the point to where, you know, it was hard to get out of bed in the morning. So after that year, is that when you retired? Yes. You yeah. retired after that year? Yeah, I think I went on to play um, winter ball, um, you know, but yeah, that year was yeah. the year I retired. Retired. So just, you know, let's talk, in, in case there's some uh, high school or college college kids that are listening what would you tell those guys right now if their dream is to play professional baseball that it's, it's a it's a dream that um you know definitely pursue um you know there's there's so many players out there that do have the dream of you know making it to the big leagues and that was my dream um but one of my mentors was sean casey and he said 
you know, getting to the big leagues is one thing, but staying there is another. And I mm. totally understood him. And I dedicated mm -hmm. everything I had to baseball. Um, one thing that I wish I would have done more was dedicate more time to my school. Um, you know, I definitely took that for granted. And um, if I could go back and change one thing, that is definitely one thing that I would change. And that is to, you know, pursue my dream in baseball and continue to work hard at that, but also, you know, dedicate my, <clears throat> dedicate um, just as much. If, if I would have put the hard work that I put into baseball, you know, half of that into my schooling, I'd be in a lot better situation than I'm in now. Right. What, what about, what would you tell a, a, a kid that has been drafted and they're playing in the minor leagues their first couple of years? Uh, because the truth is, baseball's hard. It is. The business of baseball is hard. The up and down. I mean, you're you're promoted, you're demoted, you're promoted, you're demoted. I mean, right? I mean, it well, is. You get called up. You know, everybody seems to think you know that once you get called up to the big leagues or you playing the playing the big leagues, your life's set, and that is totally not the case. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you have to. First of all, your lifespan in the big leagues is very limited. Even if you're, you know, one of the lucky ones to stay there and play for a long period of time, um, you know, and <clears throat> you don't go to the big leagues and, you know, make enough money to be able to support a family for the rest of your life, you know, unless you're, like I said, one of the lucky few that can go up there and stay for 10 years and play. Um, you know, and, and I never had a backup plan. You know, I never had, what if, what am I going to do if this doesn't work out? You know, what do I have another career that, you know, I can go into if, after I retire from baseball, you know, that's one thing that I wish I would have done more is not only the schooling, but, you know, work hard at school, but to also, um, you know, later on in my career to have some type of, you know, backup plan so I yeah. be done with baseball and, and you know go into the real real world so to speak right and we hear that a lot you know uh, parents or mentors saying hey you do need to have a backup I'm not here to crush your dream just you need to be prepared and it's really hard for young kids to wrap their brain around that they're like I'm playing professional baseball that's all I got my mind on I can't think past that Right? It is. It is. You know, and, and, you know, I think a lot of kids are naive, um, you know, because it's not crushing your dream or, or saying that you're not going to make it. It's just, you know, if you get, even if you're the best baseball player out there, there's always the possibility of getting injured. You know, um, what do you do then? And as many games as we play, you know, that's a very good possibility that you could be injured and, you know, you don't get to play baseball anymore. Right. Um, you know, you don't dwell on the things that, that could happen to you and, and be negative about it. You just, you, you, you need to be aware that it's a possibility that it could happen. Yeah. And if you're that way and, and you do have some type, it's, it's such a better feeling to know that, if this doesn't work out, at least I have this to back me up. Yeah. And if you don't do that, it, it is definitely a rude awakening when that time comes to where you have to make that decision on, I can't play anymore, 
and I do have to hang them up. Because there is a harsh reality to it, right? We mm-hmm. can't do, we can't play a kid's sport forever. No. I mean, it's I mean, just, look it at does... how fast time goes. We were just talking about 1996, and here we are, 2018. And... In our 40s. Yeah, it's awful. I said that, 40s. Yeah, in our 40s. Thanks wow. for reminding me. All right, so that's just, literally, that's just a sliver of your story. I mean, yeah. you got to play in the big leagues. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it is such a small fraternity of people that get to actually sniff the big leagues, even for one day. You played more than one day in there. But my point is, is it's a small fraternity. You got to do that. But that, again, that's only a part of your story. So you now retire. Mm-hmm. And now what? Well, um, you know, I came back home. Uh, you know, I had an offer from one of my older brothers to uh, work with him and go into business with him. He owns a striping company, um, which is the yellow and white lines painted on the highways. Um, you know, and it's not a dream job. It's hard work, but, you know, the money was supposed to be good. And, and uh, you know, so I decided, you know, I don't have many other options because my education wasn't there. You know, I didn't have my degree, um, you know, so I went ahead and... Hence, hence to the, I wish I would have paid more attention to my schooling. Absolutely. Absolutely. That would have definitely come in handy um, at this time of my life. And I didn't have that. So, you know, with the limited options I had, I've decided to go into business with him. He'd already been established. Um, I did that and did that for... Uh, about two years, and it definitely wasn't working out the way I had planned. Um, you know, there was, you can go into, I can go into a whole spiel, but it just wasn't, um, didn't pan out. And right. um, I was approached by my other brother to go into business with him, um, and I invested everything I had into that company. Um, it was a highway, uh, crack filling, concrete, asphalt type uh, business and that was the hardest work I'd ever done. Right. And I put everything I had, you know, financially, financially, emotionally, um, you know, everything into that. And, uh, it came back to bite me in the butt and that old cliche of never going to business with family. I learned the hard way and I ended up, um, losing everything, you know, after all the hard work and, dedication I put into that, you know, I lost it all. And, um, you know, I made a couple bad, you know, more than a couple, but I made some bad choices, you know? Yeah. So, so you, you, you work with both of your brothers or two of the three of your brothers. It doesn't work out like you'd hoped. Um, so now you've kind of, if I'm not mistaken, you've, you kind of folded into this uh, business, you just folded it up. Yeah. And, and now you're going, holy smokes, now what? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely, you know, I, I was um, emotionally and physically um, destroyed at this moment. You know, uh, I had, you know, uh, two kids and a wife at this time. You know, I wanted more for them. Um, and I wasn't being, I wasn't able to provide for them, you know, and I felt like I had been cheated. 
um, you know, I had been stolen from uh, from a, from family members, and and I had nothing to show for it. And um, you know, I started uh, relying on alcohol to numb the pain, and um, I was abusing Adderall, um, you know, to try to figure out what was being done to me. You know, I'd stay up day in, day out, you know, trying to, um, you know, put together numbers and, and figure out how money was all gone, and uh, it was slowly but surely killing me. Right. So at this point, you've kind of... You've turned to alcohol and uh, prescription drugs. Yeah. Yes. And and so now this is starting to run your life. Yes. It was and it's taking it's, over. It's slowly starting just to get out of control. Mm-hmm. And and at some point, you're like, "Holy cow! This can't be what I need to be doing. Something has to change." So you're, you're, and I think it might be fair to say your mindset, there wasn't much one, right? Because now that this, these drugs or alcohol has, is literally taking over, uh, your head. Yeah. It's running my life. It's running your life. Yeah. So uh, there, to, to sit, to, to sit there and ask you what your mindset is at this point isn't accurate because I didn't there, have isn't, one. there isn't one. Yeah. There isn't one at this point. You know, I definitely knew, you know, I'd been prescribed Adderall um, at a young age for ADD. And, you know, I took it like I was supposed to um, until, you know, I started abusing alcohol. And the more alcohol I drank, the more Adderall I took. The more Adderall I took, the more I drank. And um, Vicious cycle. Yeah. At my worst, I was drinking a fifth of vodka every day with... 300 milligrams of Adderall to follow grief and that was every day um I don't know how many you know I'm lucky to be here let's put it that way and I don't know how many years that went on um but I am very blessed that I have I do have um some good friends who love me and you know I'm looking at them right now Uh, Uh, you help me out more than you'll ever know well those are kind words. I, I didn't. I didn't expect you to say that. But, but you've been sober for how many years now? Over five years now. Over five years. Yep. What an accomplishment. Yes. And I could sit there looking at you right now. I'm extremely proud of you. Thank you. Extremely proud of you. So over five years. So now. I'm going to interrupt you. That out of all my accomplishments, you know, my accolades from baseball and. Um, being able to overcome alcohol and the Adderall abuse is better than any accomplishment I think mm. I've ever had. Praise Jesus. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, that is such a cool moment because I, I, I remember, I remember, you know, 50 days, one year, mm-hmm. and it just kept tallying up. And I'm like, this is fantastic. Yeah. Watching my friend smile and come to life and get his life back yeah so okay so we're a big league baseball player retire injuries i go into you go into business it doesn't quite work you turn to alcohol and some and drugs and it's fallen it's almost feels like life is falling apart even more Mm -hmm. you get sober now now what now you're married 
How many yes. years? How many years you and Nikki? Uh, we were married in October of two thousand and two. Okay, um, Matt, come on, man, do the math. She's going to be listening to this. So fifteen years. <laughs> fifteen Fif- years. Fifteen years. Two girls. Two little girls, Riley, um, who will be twelve here shortly, and Emerson, who is ten, will be eleven in October. October. Right. October. Um. So n- now, so so right now. You're the hitting coach for uh, Viani, the varsity club. Yes. And you also are a hitting instructor up here at uh, All-Star. All-Star, which is the gamers facility. Yeah. And I also give um, lessons in Eureka. So, hey, guys, if you're listening and you you have a kiddo, or shoot, maybe you're an adult, you want to learn how to hit, you have an opportunity to, um, hey, Matt's a picky. I mean, this is a professional hitter here, and you could get some serious instruction from a professional baseball player, not just a, a big league baseball player. So if you're wanting to get a hold of him, it's uh, matthewsapicki at gmail.com. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-C-E-P-I-C-K-Y at gmail.com, and he would be happy to give you some instructions. But let, let's keep moving on. So what about... Um, now, what's it like being a, a hitting coach for a – let's talk about Viani. <laughs> I mean, right now they're ranked what? You all are ranked right what? Right now, it's, um, from the last time I saw, we were ranked uh, – and there's different you sure. know, rankings. There's all sorts of different rankings, but we were ranked fourth in the nation in one poll, um, fifth in the nation in another, seventh. Uh, so you guys are pretty good. Yes, we're very good. Yeah, I think we've good. suffered one loss this year. Um, it shows us having one tie, but that was, you know, uh, rain out that didn't even get started. Um, you know, I think we're 23 or 24 and one and it's awesome. I love being able to, you know, help the kids out. Um, you know, I say kids cause I'm so old now. Well, but come on, they're kids. They are. And it's just, um, my nephew goes there at Taviani now. He's a sophomore this year, um, CJ. Uh, he was able to make varsity as a freshman last year. Didn't get to play much. Um, starts now this year in center field. And um, I believe as of today, he's leading, um, leading the team in average. So... Um, you That's know, tough being to able, do as a sophomore. Yeah, yeah, and being able to, you know, be a hitting coach is is a great honor. Um, but going through um, all the trials and tribulations that I've been through, I feel like I have so much more to offer these kids uh, as far as you know life lessons and and uh, what to look out for. You know to be there for them to teach them how to hit, but to also help them along the way so they don't, you know, make the same mistakes right. I did. Which is so much more valuable than hitting a curveball. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it yeah. is. It is. So I'm really enjoying myself right now. I feel like I'm getting the opportunity to give back, which is very important to me. Yeah, so where is um, – what's your thought process like a, like – where does your mind go nowadays compared to in the past? Um, you know, in the past, it was, you know, all about, you know, where am I going to be at, you know, tomorrow? Um, 
you know, what can I do today to, um, you know, make the uh, make tomorrow better? And to a certain degree, that's the same way I feel today. But I put forth, you know, I, I put ahead a lot more important things in my life. You know, I, I look at my family and and the things that I do um, have and what I'm grateful for today. And um, what I'm grateful for today and what I used to be grateful for in the past has definitely changed. Yeah. And I think that it's changed. I know it's changed for the better. Right. You know, um, and, and I see that because we get to hang out from time to time and I can totally tell um, how your life is different mm-hmm. from what it was five years ago. Oh, yeah. You know, and it's just so fun to watch you smile and have a good time. Yes. Have a good time with just life in general. Yes. You know? Um, Well, anyhow, Matt, I appreciate you. I appreciate you coming in and uh, hanging out in our studio, which is the Jackson living room. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, So, anyhow, if you guys want to get a hold of Matt... um, as far as a, a hitting instructor, again, it's MatthewSipicki at gmail.com. He is, th- listen, this guy knows what he's talking about. He will get you hitting like no other. So if you're looking for one, he is the man in town in my eyes. Uh, I know a lot of hitting instructors. There's a lot of good ones out there. But uh, Matt is the real deal. So, Matt, I appreciate it, buddy. And uh, I wish you well. You're Thank gonna, you. You're going to go on to do... Uh, many, many, many great things that's going to trump the big leagues. That is for sure. I believe so. So, uh, folks, thank you for tuning in uh, to the MindFit Podcast. Again, I'm your host, Brandon Jackson. And next week, look for Natalie Kummer, CrossFit Valley Park's head coach. Uh, We'll have her in the studio. (laughs) I love saying that studio. The Jackson living room. Or maybe in the gym. Who knows? We'll, We'll find out where we catch her. Until then... Uh, Take care. Bye-bye.